0: Hi and welcome to another episode of The Leadership Enigma. You know, sometimes we want guests to come on the show and tell their leadership story. And I've been trying to get this particular guest onto my show for almost a year. Yes, one year. So I've been persevering and stalking maybe in some ways. But I have the wonderful Alice Dyson with me and she's gonna tell you her leadership story because she's a senior female leader in a tough industry and that's the music industry and I'll let her tell you that story. She's had two near death experiences which I'm sure she'd rather not have had but she'll recount some of that. And also she's been playing hockey for Great Britain as part of the Masters. Something we share. I don't play hockey, but you get the idea. There is so much to this episode. You need to hear this story. This is inspirational stuff. Come back to me just after
1: this break. No pressure now, Alice. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum, for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico.
0: There we go, success leaves clues. I now have Alice Dyson on the show, Alice, how are you?
2: I'm really good. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, it is so good to have you on the show for a whole host of reasons which we'll explore. Now, I gave a very potted history there of many of the things that you've done, but just help the listeners understand your role at the moment within the music industry. Just give them some context starting there.
2: Okay, so uh, I'm the COO, uh, the Chief Operating Officer for One Media IP. Uh, We're actually a music business, but we're listed on the London Stock Exchange. So there's kind of two conflicting lifestyles used straight away. You've got the corporate London Stock Exchange world, and then you've got the music industry, and the music industry is known for being fun and and creative and, and eccentric and innovative. So you've got to bring those two worlds together. So that, that's what I do at One Media IP.
0: Right. And you also sit on BPI, I think, as a director. Is that correct? Help people understand that because they'll probably know some of the events that they, uh, they're responsible for.
2: Absolutely. So the, the music community uh, generally is uh, viewed as having the majors, which is uh, Universal, Warner and Sony, and then you've got the independent sector. And so, one media IP is in is considered a independent music company, and there all of these companies are represented by the BPI, the British Phonographic uh, Industry. And so, they represent the recorded music business within the UK, not necessarily known by consumers, but uh, known by consumers for some of the brands that they have, which are the Brits. So, right.
0: and you get to go to some of those sometimes, Alice. Am I right?
2: Yeah, that's quite possible. <laughs>
0: that's quite um, possible.
2: <laughs> I might go to the oh, Brits. So, yeah, lots of fun. I love music. my My upbringing is a very musical, so uh, a family of musicians. So when I look back at my career now, and I go, "Why wasn't I a pharmacist?" It's really quite apparent that there were no pharmacists, pharmacists in my business, but lots of musicians. So it's a, was it kind of inevitable that my career path took me on this journey. Uh, for, for the world that I was introduced to at a very young age.
0: I love the fact that you've mentioned a pharmacist because if I look behind you, there's almost medicinal bottles there because you have a <laughs> wonderful array of gin, I believe, if I, I remember our conversation well, albeit it was last year. Tell us a little bit more. Was it always going to be the music industry for you because of the uh, the music element in the family or, or, or was it not? Is this by design or by chance? Help us understand a little bit more about that path.
2: So I didn't really appreciate uh, quite what had happened to me when I ended up in the music business. And it was only when I was reflecting maybe in my 30s about how it was that I had come to arrive uh, in the music business. And actually, my dad is a classical composer. My mum is a music teacher. One of my earliest experiences was looking into the orchestra pit in a theatre in Colchester to see my mum playing the double bass. Wow. So uh, for Sweet Charity. And then many theatres around Essex where we would go and see her play and watch the musicals. And I asked her at the time, so mum, are you paid for this? Like, what? why is it that you're, you're doing this? And she said, well, I love music, but also I'm, I'm paid. And actually I'm paid a rate that's determined by the Musicians' Union. And I was like, what's the Musicians' Union? And I started to be introduced to the fact that there's all these trade bodies and, and there's a business behind the music industry. But I didn't realise that. Until maybe decades later, when I was thinking about becoming a doctor, I was going, well, why aren't, why aren't I a doctor? And that's because I had no role models within the family that were doctors. They were all role models in relation to music and the important role that music plays in our life and in our society and in, in and actually in income for the UK economy.
0: So as people are listening to this, and I'm hoping that we've got some young adults and people starting out in their career who are interested in the music industry or the creative industries as well, what's it been like as someone battling through that industry? You know, you're very much at the, the senior level now, but like all of us, we've got to work from that individual contributor in, into the, that more executive level, and that takes decades. What's it been like for you, that journey through that industry?
2: So I guess it's it's been challenging along the way, but I haven't necessarily realised because I just get on. And so any kind of barrier I'm met with, I work out ways to go around it. So it didn't occur to me at the time that there aren't a lot of women in senior roles in the record industry. I just decided I would, if I wanted to go there, I would be an outlier and I would find my, find my way, carve my own path, uh, become an expert in the areas which would enable me to progress.
0: So you fought hard for where you're at. And this is where I reference success leaves clues because I I want to ask you some questions now in in relation to more more of the personal life because I want to try and find some of this detective in me now, Alice. I want to try and find some of those clues in relation to who you are and why you do what you do. Now, just I also mentioned the fact that you play sport at an elite level. You're playing hockey, is that right? For Great Britain in the Masters category. Um, Tell everyone a little bit about that.
2: Okay, so hockey, one, uh, another one of those uh, moments. I played hockey since I was 11. Yeah. And actually, um, and I'll digress slightly into what the Lionesses have done on the football front.
0: Which is so amazing.
2: I, amazing. And I, like, I just nearly cried uh, when they won. Because when I was 7, eight, nine, 10, I played football. And so I went and I, and I was pretty good. My best friend was a boy and we played football all the time okay. and I, I was quite handy. So I went and found the headmaster at my school and I said, can I play football for the school? And he said, no. And I said, well, well that, what, but why not? I'm better than all the boys. He said, "You because you're a girl. And I was devastated, despondent, marked him off in my book as somebody <laughs> that uh, wouldn't be getting a Christmas card from me. Um, but so I, I stopped playing football because there, no, there was no route for me. There were no clubs. So right. it was, there was just no opportunity. Thankfully, not
0: the game. case now, Alice.
2: No, thank, thank goodness. But it, it's, it tells you something about what happens when you invest time, money, effort, and expertise into people. So the more money, the more time, the more effort, and the more energy we invest in ladies' football, the better they will be. Yeah. So we just have to keep doing that. But that's across any any sport any uh, discipline if you give people the the opportunity to be amazing at something but you have to put money into it and you have to put expertise so and then the time if you practice there's the the saying: practice makes perfect but i don't believe that at all i practice makes permanent so if you practice something badly you'll be really good at doing it badly
0: well we talked about this and my obsession with tennis and i keep practicing and uh, i'm a long way off perfection (laughs) let me tell you alice
2: but like my question to you is like you're playing tennis all the time if you're practicing so are you getting better
0: i am what i'm doing though is i'm getting to learn a little bit more about what i'm capable of now that i'm older because there are certain things which i remember doing at 22 that three decades later, I can't do, Alice. So I'm trying to become a little wiser in relation to what I can do and how I can compete at a, a, at a good level in the master's category.
2: Yeah. Well, it takes insight into exactly that. How are you going to bring your best self, given your circumstances, your body has changed, but your mind is probably better than it ever was, but it knows more than it did, which might make it harder for you. <laughs>
0: well it craves for being younger apart from that um i'm never going backwards i'm only going to go forwards but i'm enjoying things i think that's part of it as well but help me understand so is the when you get given the advice that no you're a girl you can't play football which is it's madness isn't it when we think about it because that really wasn't long ago uh, and now thankfully we're in a different position how did you how did you flick across to hockey i left primary school went to
2: hockey uh, went to secondary school yep the sport that girls are taught is hockey and this is really key And this i had an amazing teacher so i arrived at secondary school i've never played hockey my first session was with a scottish coach and he just was brilliant and it put fire in my belly to go and learn how to play this sport and then as is my way for christmas i wanted shin pads stick ball like the full list i wanted the case i wanted to have all the gear i currently had no no idea Kind of at at that point, but I just had an amazing teacher, and then I was very fortunate at my secondary school to play with uh, a a family of hockey players. Uh, A lady who went on to be my coach for maybe six years. Right. Had two daughters, and the youngest of the daughter went on to be the captain for England at the Olympics in Australia. Wow! I was surrounded by amazing talent and so inevitably if you surround if you're surrounded by people who are amazing and you're paying attention then you have huge opportunities to also do well yourself so i and i encouraged me to go to essex trials i've joined the club and and that fortunately i've had the gift of hockey and it's been my fallback for the rest of my life if i if i want to find comfort and and uh I, i i guess to to feel good about my talents i go back to hockey because it's entirely rewarding.
0: So where does this focus and and resilience come from, Alice? Have you always had that?
2: Um, I I have always been very resilient. Um, uh, You're faced with challenges throughout your life and, and how you learn from them, adapt and evolve, I think is really important. And also how sensitive you are to asking for help, identifying people who can lead you so that you can then lead yourself i think it being resilient is the ability to lead yourself
0: so okay let me ask you some questions in relation to personal resilience now because a lot of people will know alice dyson i've worked with you and you're the senior leader and you might be seeing as you say at some of these marvelous award ceremonies and you've worked hard in order to get to where you are within the sector but i want to come down to this personal resilience piece as well because you've also had some challenges haven't you and they've been life-threatening challenges Uh, and one was sepsis blood poisoning and one was actually covid wasn't it where you know we were actually going to do an episode a a long time ago and and you got covid tell the listeners a little bit about how serious both those instances were
2: okay so uh, my er youngest daughter is 11 and just after i had her i was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis right So uh, rheumatoid arthritis is not the same as osteoarthritis, which is like wear and tear on your joints. Rheumatoid is an autoimmune disease and it's where your immune system attacks your joints Right. and you can become really ill. And without diagnosis and treatment, it can be really debilitating. So I went from being a very active hockey player and I couldn't then walk three meters, I've just became so unwell. So I was very fortunate to get diagnosed very quickly. And then um, I got onto a treatment plan, a drug combination therapy that works unbelievably well for me. But what it does is it reduces my ability to fight infection. Right. So seven seven or eight years ago now, um, I wasn't feeling very well, just a bit of a, just not particularly well. And I had an overwhelming sense that I was going to be dead by Sunday. It was Friday night. Oh,
0: my God, that's awful.
2: So um, it's never happened to me before and has never happened to me since but it's one of the um, symptoms of sepsis is an overwhelming sense that you will be dead and it's i guess it's evolution at its best because i'm very intuitive and i'm i listen to kind of what's happening to me and i knew that unless i took action for myself because i i was poorly but i wasn't at death's door but i knew that if i didn't do something i would be dead right so i and it was last thing on a friday night And I called the doctor and they managed to see me and they kind of looked at my profile and they didn't know what was wrong with me because I just kind of had a bit of a cough and just wasn't, you know, very well. But I went to A&E and then they, you sit in A&E for quite a long time. And I still look quite well. So you're having to advocate for yourself. You're having to explain to people that actually you are very, you really are unwell and you don't make a fuss unless, you know, there's something quite critical going on. Um, at this point I didn't know it was sepsis but the NHS were very good and very quickly they established that I had um, neutropenic sepsis actually which is slightly more serious than sepsis because you have um, no neutrophils and they're kind of key to your immune system in helping your body fight infection but I got on the right treatment and then I I was better very quickly but that was only because I listened to myself and I took action so that idea of being resilient and then trying to advocate for yourself when you're very poorly is uh i mean it takes an awful lot to to retain that focus and and make sure you come through the other side okay
0: right and then obviously with uh you talk about issues with an immune system that's now very relevant in what we've all been through now the last couple of years so tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah so so absolutely covid has presented lots of challenges for me because during the first wave I was very aware because of what had happened to me with my experience with sepsis, that, uh, I knew that if I caught COVID in the first wave, I would die. So I, I hid for, for four or five months while the first wave happened. And then as in the collaboration within the UK, which was astonishing, yeah, uh, and the drugs were formed and there was actually a plan. So initially there was no plan. So my plan was, I just can't catch it because the systems aren't in place to ha- to help right. people who are vulnerable uh, significantly vulnerable so once there were uh, antivirals and there seemed to be a, a plan and also the world was getting back to normal yeah. so protecting yourself and having a life when the the world actually is operating normally is actually much harder it's much easier to keep yourself safe when everybody is taking precautions and businesses all online. Um, Whereas when it goes back to normal, trying to keep that uh, level of personal security up and and live a normal life is is really challenging. So I knew it was inevitable that I was gonna catch it. Um, I had had all my vaccines, uh, so I had three. And then when I did eventually catch it, it was a similar kind of situation to having sepsis. I knew I was gonna get really sick. Right. But it still looked really quite okay. <laughs> so eventually I ended up in hospital trying to advocate again for yourself when you're really poorly. Uh, and, and actually this is something that I take over from working in business. Sometimes you have to bring in other people to advocate for you. So you're not the best person to do it. And so you need your backup team. So I was really poorly and I had to bring in my backup team to come and advocate for me to make sure that I got the treatment. And eventually after a lot of work, we got me on the right treatment plan but it was weeks after i should have been on it and so consequently i still have residual lung damage from covid
0: right which one hopes that will improve over time
2: absolutely absolutely but relatively so when they do the the lung function tests on me my lung function test is still much better than than average (laughs) because of all
0: the sport you were playing it is strange (laughs) how how, I don't know, things are sometimes meant to be. But listen, that's why I'm, I'm so delighted to see you. I'm so delighted that you're actually now on the show. And I'm so delighted that we'll actually see each other in person as well uh, in just a couple of weeks for uh, a little bit of a, a music event. But with that in mind, I want to focus on this advocating for self because there are lots of people listening to this who may be saying, how how can I approach advocating for myself in my career there might even be young women listening to this saying hey i want to be a i want to be a success in whatever i do i want to go into the music industry and, and and be an alice dyson but how do they advocate for themselves when they're when they're young when, when we're young when we're we're not as wise where we've got no influence or authority what are you taking away from this how could people yeah, advocate
2: okay so I, w- I was thinking about the idea of leadership and actually it's it's a big title, and I think it can be quite kind of overwhelming yeah. when you're thinking, am I a leader? And and actually, my children are leaders. You can be leaders in all areas of life. Agreed. And uh, and actually identifying that and not being overwhelmed by the title and getting comfortable with the things you're good at. So when you're advocating for yourself, you say, actually, I did this in today, and I helped somebody. I led them. It may be just a tiny thing. But actually, it's a very positive thing. And so identifying um, and attributing those skills to yourself and then advocating. When you're telling people, actually, I'm good at leadership, and they say, but you're not the CEO of a big business. You say, well, that, that's not necessarily what leadership is all about. Right. You look at it on the micro level as well. And then you take all of those skills and you actually recognize how you can be better, how you can be smarter, and, and actually how you can – be brave enough to tell people you're good at what you do. And I think particularly women aren't necessarily great at saying, by the way, I'm amazing at this and I'm better than everybody else. And I may only be doing it on a small scale at the moment, but if you give me the opportunity to do it on a larger scale, I will show you all how absolutely amazing I can be.
0: See, that's great advice, isn't it? But I also want to focus on when even at the level that you're at, you went through a couple of experiences where you you weren't strong enough you were vulnerable, and you said you had to get your team in, you know, those special people around you, friends and family. Tell me a little bit more about that, where you've got to, you've got to trust and, and almost abdicate responsibility to do the best for you, but someone else has got to do it. You're just not in a position to do it.
2: No, that's right. Well, if you look at the skill sets across a business, so you've got lawyers, you've got graphic designers, you've got finance guys and women, I'm not a finance person and I will delegate or pass the baton to the finance person. Nobody expects me to do this, to be good at absolutely everything. So being a a leader is actually saying, I have a team full of people who are amazing at all these different things and we will collaborate. And through cooperation, we will achieve the best possible outcome. And that's uh, the same when you're, ill in bed and you need you need help to get the drugs you need. So you say, who who do I know who is better at this and more able to deliver this better outcome for me? And that doesn't make you weak, that makes you smart. Because you find the best person to do the job. And and that's what real leadership, I believe, is.
0: And and isn't that one of the challenges as we are growing through a career, how do we move from the individual contributor to being an extraordinary teammate. And I remember having that conversation with Scott O'Neill. He was the former president of Madison Square Garden. He was the CEO of the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, these are big sporting teams over in the US. And he said, it's now about being an extraordinary teammate. So what are your thoughts? How, how, do, how do people move through careers and go from individual contributor to an extraordinary teammate who can also be vulnerable enough to have others advocate and do things for them too. Because as you say, we can't be the master of everything.
2: Yeah, that's really hard hard. That's a, you know, it's a that's a challenge for people all the time. And and the the ability to deliver all the time under lots of pressure um can be exhausting and can wear you out. And the only way you can achieve it is if you have collaboration and you have teammates. And so I'll go back to my sport analogies. I'm not a tennis player and so consequently it's just not me on on the court i'm part of a team i play hockey i my job at hockey is to score the goals but i'm not the keeper if you put me in goal i would be rubbish <laughs> right okay <laughs> like, like really bad um i'm not a defender i'm not a midfield player sometimes i can play midfield if i have to <laughs> and i can do it really well for a, a short period of time <laughs> right. but i'm not i'm not your go to i'm your go to person to score the goals right so within a team, everybody has a role. And the only way you're going to deliver as a team is if everybody does their job. And if the midfield pass to the striker, the defenders do their job, that, that when we're, you're under attack, everybody gets back and everybody defends. And then when, when you're going to school, everybody presses. So they're, they're sporting analogies, which you take over to business because, but it requires on collaboration and it requires respect. And it requires you to understand that the person scoring the goal is as important as the person in goal.
0: Without a team, no can do. And, and, I, and I love the fact that you're able to compare and contrast being successful in business and successful on the hockey pitch. And you said to me just before we went into this episode, you said sport, you agree the rules and then you go on and compete. But in business, it's not like that. So what are you seeing as the differentiator between the two?
2: So uh, quite a good example of, uh, of this is the music industry. So technology evolves. Yep. So, and consumer behavior changes. And sometimes the, the playing field, the rules um, change because consumers will behave in a different way. They will consume product. They, in, for example, in the music industry, they there's a high level of piracy within within the evolution of download and digital. Right. And the music industry were not prepared and didn't have the infrastructure, the monetization models to cope with it. And so consequently, the income across the whole of the music industry was, was hit terribly and is still not recovered 15 years later. Right. That's the problem. So you have to adapt and evolve very quickly to make sure that the legal parameters are there so that you can effectively monetize a business. So that's about creating the infrastructure and the framework and you have to work with government and you have to be really good at selling effectively the benefits, for example, the UK industry about it being an amazing export. So it has to have uh, these rules in place to protect the IP. So if you create that infrastructure, have the rules in place, it's like building the best stadium. You've got access to all areas, everybody can attend, you all there's diversity and inclusion the bar's amazing the pitch is perfect you've got uh, amazing stands for all of the consumers to come and watch this amazing event but then it's like competition time so you have the the structure there and then you say everybody's welcome let's see who's best right
0: so in relation to someone coming through again their career what what is kind of the standout lesson for you then because we're working in a world that just won't stop, won't stop changing. It won't stand still. So inevitably, the rules of the game are changing all the time. So how does someone operate within that changing landscape and, and lead in that?
2: So I think it's having a 360 view. Okay. So, and it, requ- it requires you to be thoughtful all the time and pay attention. So in a, in a world that is evolving and changing, then you're within business, you follow the consumer. What's the consumer want? Because ultimately that will drive the the business. So if the, for example, if the record industry had followed the consumer really early on, they'd have recognized they wanted digital files. They wanted to be able to stream music and the business needed to catch up very quickly with a model, a monetization model to ensure that the investment was there and people could still keep making music. So as an individual within business, you've got to have your eyes up looking around what's happened to the landscape I'm in. How am I going to improve myself, adapt, keep learning? Who do I know that does something really well that I aspire to do? What can I learn from them? What can I learn from my leaders? What can I learn from my my junior staff? Because they're coming up through the ranks and they know things about technology that I don't know about. So it's having this up-down 360 view that makes you relevant all the time. But also just enjoy it. Do something you like because everything's much easier if you like it.
0: Well, that's so true, isn't it? Um, I've got a very good friend of mine who's a customer-centricity expert, talks about listening systems, about having good listening systems, both internally and externally. And I see a correlation in what you've just said there. Alice, is the ability to, as you say, have a 360 degree view. And, and here, really here, what does the consumer want? What are, what are your junior staff saying? Because they're much more in tune with that age group or technological advances and TikTok and whatever else. I'm, I'm going to sound ridiculous if I try and rattle off now those oh. platforms. But it, am I getting that right? Is there, a, is there a similarity there between what you're talking about and, and listening systems?
2: Oh, absolutely. As we get older, we have more to absorb. And there's more that happens to us. And, and, you know, our bodies change. As you say, you're you're learning to play elite tennis as a senior, as a master. Never too late. Master of your sport. So it's very different to the approach you'd have had as a younger man because your body is much more able to adapt. Whereas now you need to think more smartly Mm -hmm. about your body. So kids coming through, they're not as encumbered with so many things happening in their world. They have a lot going on in their world, much more perhaps than than you or I did when we were coming through because of all of of the exposure to the world outside that they can reach through their their phones. But but relatively compared to an adult, they have less. So learning from them, listening to them, listening to their challenges, listening to yourself, being uh, mindful, taking some time, being collaborative, I think these are really important. Collaboration requires you to listen, requires you to observe, and it requires you to learn.
0: There's going to be a lot of that because I know you've got two young kids, haven't you, Alice? And by the way, they will turn into teenagers, just saying.
2: Um,
0: (laughs) I know at some point I'm going to have to do an episode on how to manage, lead, or just Drink gin uh, with teenagers because you've got teenagers, not with teenagers.
2: Oh well, so I have a fourteen-year-old girl, and I liken it to having terrorists in your house holding you hostage.
0: In fact, I was looking at my my notes. Of course, because it was so long ago that we chatted. Now they're all a year older. Well, we're all a year older. Uh, Alice, let me ask you this question: What's next for Alice Dyson?
2: So the, the challenge is for someone with my kind of personality is that I I like to be challenged and I like to learn and I really like people. So it's making sure that you that I continue to evolve, I continue to be the best person, best in business that I can be, and and also to be a good leader. And that's being a good mum, being a good teammate, being a good captain being a good businesswoman, all of those things. So for me, I, it's important that I, I excel in all of these areas and that comes with challenges. So just getting up and doing the thing really well as best as you can is is what I will continue to have to do.
0: That reminds me almost of the conversation I had for episode 100 with Renee Elliott, who's the founder of Planet Organic. And she talked about whole person leadership. And in a way, I think you've just described that. Because a lot of people say, oh, work-life balance. And again, I've had conversations. It doesn't exist. Because it's us as a, as a human being and, a, and human doing. We can't separate home life with work life. They're inextricably linked, aren't they?
2: Absolutely. And I became a better, better at work when yep. I became a parent. Right. So it, it, I was finally comfortable in my skin. Because actually, it made me realise that I could achieve and actually i had little people to look after and they they kind of trump everything and they put everything in perspective and actually when everything's in perspective you can generally do a better job
0: do you think that when you went through those real challenges and you talked about covid and sepsis did that give you perspective as well because how do you see sometimes the positive from a very challenging situation
2: I i would say covid has tested me more than than anything else right because i it, the, I'm a very personable. Well, I like to think I'm a, a sociable. Like to be with people. Enjoy yeah. company. And and I was on my own. We so got I, taken away from you. Yeah, I was, and I wondered if that would be the rest of my life. That if the rest of my life would be fairly isolated and on Zoom, and and so and I I didn't know, and I hoped that brighter and smarter people who thankfully were doctors and had parents who are doctors and, and pharmacists and, and the great innovation within the UK, they would find a solution. Right. Because without them, I would be having to make a choice whereby I, if I go back into the world, will I get really sick and will it kill me? Or will I live half a life by myself? So, so that's a very challenging uh, confrontation, effectively. So you have to, to work through that.
0: Yeah, no, and I... Was- Go on, Alice, forgive me, I interrupted you.
2: I was going to say, coming out of COVID, it's very easy to forget some of the things I've learned about. Uh, I, am, I am very resilient, but actually it would nice not to be, have to be resilient all the time. It would just be better be cooperative with everybody then you don't have to fight so
0: hard. And that's why I'm so glad that we've had this opportunity. And I know we'll see each other in person in a few weeks, but I'm glad we've had this opportunity this episode because this is a classic example of success leaves clues. And I think there have been many clues scattered throughout this particular episode. My final question, Alice, is this. Uh, with all of that you've achieved and the wisdom and being a mom and being a leader within the industry and the challenges you've been through, what's the best piece of leadership advice that you would think of having it given or received
2: that's a that's a really tricky one so if i if i i think role modeling
0: okay tell me more
2: so there are people i've worked with who have just blown my mind because they're so good at what they do they don't necessarily tell you what they're doing but if you're paying attention you can learn an awful lot so the best tip, I guess, would be about learning to lead yourself by using others as examples. So taking the best bits of the people that you are lucky enough to have great conversations with. And it may be a moment with a stranger that you learn something from. But it's being aware of all of those opportunities to absorb great things and then lead yourself with what you've learned.
0: In some ways, it's being that lifetime learner.
2: Absolutely right.
0: Well, Alice, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you finally on the Leadership Enigma. I hope this has been fun for you too.
2: You're a superstar, Ellen. I'm, I'm loving your new home studio. It's, uh, it's evolved since we first met. It's very cool.
0: It's amazing what two years of a pandemic can do for you. Listen, you've been an absolute superstar. Thanks so much. Thank
2: you so much.
1: Patrick. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms.
2: Thanks for listening.